And good morning, everybody. It is Sunday, January 30th, 2022, the last Sunday of January. You have, wow, wow yeah, really. Already. It went so fast, yet so slow. Yes. What is it? The, the years are fast, the days are slow. Yep. So you are here for the CC and JT Amateur Hour. Across the table from me is CC. And across from me is JT. And to introduce you to uh, folks that may not be uh, familiar with our format here, uh, the CC and JT Amateur Hour is, uh, is a podcast by two budding writers, you know, who've been trying to be an overnight... Long budding uh, yeah, <laughs> Who's tried to be an overnight success for more than 10 years now. More than that. Yeah. I've been writing... Yeah. And our podcast... Oh, much longer than that, actually. Yes. And our podcast is, um, you know, is is aimed towards writers, though we tackle a wide range of subjects, because writing is a wide range of subjects. Yes. And the podcast itself, if you're listening for music or commercials or anything like that, you're... you're, Yeah, you've come to the wrong place, uh, because this is where... Our podcast is where production values go Go to to die. die. So... You think um, of those old school like uh, local TV channels and stuff like that, where they had the cardboard sets. Yeah, we're even lower than that. Yeah, we're lower than that. <laughs> we don't even have cardboard. We have a microphone and a computer. We are uh, two boomers who have been in a partnership and a monogamous relationship now for over forty years, which uh, which helps shape this podcast, helps shapes our lives, of course. Uh, and as again, we we, uh, we we talk about writing. We have some uh, self-published books out on Amazon, which you can find out on our website at www.carsonhume.com. <laughs> <laughs> Carsonhume.com. Um, and uh, we have this is like our 49th or 50th podcast. So wow. we're, we're, yeah, it's we're we're getting up there. So there's a there's a bunch of stuff out there for uh, writers. You know, ideas, tools. Thoughts. Uh, we've done a variety of podcasts on a variety of subjects. So if you want to leaf back through there, we've talked about, um, you know, how about uh, realism. You know, we've talked about uh, sex, obviously, because that's a oh, very yes. important that part. That was a three-parter, I That think. was a three-parter. Um, we've, we've talked about, uh, you know, current events. We, we, we kind of hit on things. Um, and sometimes we go off topic because we like to have fun, too. Last week, for example, we talked about baseball and baseball writing. Which isn't really off topic. Which isn't really off topic. So if you're a baseball fan, you may want to go back to last week. We, we had a lot of fun. So much fun, as a matter of fact, I've been trying to figure out how to do a baseball podcast. Oh, that would be awesome. That would I be know. Fun. We both really love baseball, so baseball. that would be fun. Go Cubs. Yes. Go Cubs. Love baseball, but especially the Cubs. So, um, but this week we're going to turn towards the serious. We're going to turn towards the serious. Um, and the controversial. And the controversial. Um, you know, and I shouldn't have closed that Wikipedia page because, oh, I didn't close it. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about something that is a very emotional subject for us. And I think we need to caveat this up front. In po- past podcasts, we've talked about uh, when we've brought up a subject, we try to generally take the outside view looking in. We try to be objective. We try to be non-passionate um but you know and there's some things that trigger us but yeah definitely there are a lot of things that trigger there's us. a lot of things that trigger us because you know we're getting to that age and we're you know we want people to stay off our lawn that's that's not true we we have a we th- we hope that we have an open mind on things and i think this one particular subject is going to talk about that a little bit but um and you know we talked we said right from the beginning that we we, we don't have production values well we we, we do in some ways and one of those, of course, is before we do, we sit down here, CC and I talk about 
what we're going to go through and we try to we do a general outline we prefer the spontaneity but we do a general outline of what we'd want to talk about but and we found through talking yesterday and this morning that we are not objective about this subject it is at all it is an emotional trigger for us yes so for those of us who are advocates of the subject that we're about to bring up um you we're just going to frame ourselves as saying that we are not we're just going to get that out of the way no Uh, we are not objective um we understand that a lot of people will disagree with us we respect that people will disagree with us you are more than welcome to say you disagree with us. All we ask is that you be respectful. Respectful and civil. And that's what we're going to try to do. We're not going to try to call anybody idiots or anything like that. But unfortunately, you know, it's going to come through. Yeah, uh, it's going to come through. And because we are uh, because we are human. Yes. And we are writers and we are passionate about not only our trade, not only about our night job, but we're passionate about certain subjects. So we're just going to... So I think we've caveated this enough, unless you can think of something else. No, No, I mean, if anything comes up during the podcast, we can always add more caveats later. Yeah, we can ask more (laughs) caveats later. And and, uh, so we took the long way around to talk about uh, book banning, you know, book banning by school districts. We're going to focus on book banning by school districts because the entire subject of book banning is is a very complex one. So we're going to narrow this down to book banning by school districts and by schools and by school libraries. And uh, we're just going to say right up front, you know, big thumbs down, (laughs) big thumbs down. Um, And I I guess before we get into our opinions, we should talk about um, what, what triggered this discussion. And we should uh, discuss about uh, reasons why books are banned. And uh, for those that have been keeping track on the the media, in the media, uh, East Tennessee, the McKinn County School District, uh, banned Mao. Or how do you pronounce that? I think it's Mao's. Mao's. A graphic novel by Art Spiegelman. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's a... It's both a metaphor and both a graphic, no, I don't want to say graphic, but a, an in-depth discussion about um, where mice are the Jews and cats are the Germans. But also, as I was reading here in the Wikipedia, it was also about the dysfunction between a father and a son. Mm-hmm. So it's a multi-layered book. It's a highly acclaimed graphic novel mm-hmm. that um, that appeals to very people, and it's it's... It, it, it touched it touches a lot of nerves it did in, and it as, as it in should. a big way but it is um it is a good way for certain subjects to be introduced mm-hmm. and we will probably go more into the idea of banning this in a little while but it's a you know it's something that kids or you know, teens or whatever would find uh, readable. Readable. And because a book that's text heavy can be hard for young readers, especially, you know, readers that have difficulties with reading. Mm-hmm. And graphic novels can be an excellent way to get kids into reading. And, yeah, and that's one of the reasons that the. the, the let me, I'm going to make sure I get this right. I want to frame uh, the McKinn County School District argument correctly because I, I want to give. Um, I want to give them their voice. Whenever we have these discussions, it's important to give the, uh, give a voice to the absent. Right. So the, the McCann County School District um, removed Mao's from the curriculum of the 8th grade classes. So 13 and 14 year olds, basically, was removed yeah. from that. Um, and 
It overrode the Tennessee State curriculum, which I thought, you know, was a move. And the reasons that, which was a questionable move, but um, the reasons that they did is they cited the reasons as, and I'm reading here from Wikipedia, as rough language and unnecessary profanity, eight words, including damn, and a small drawing of a nude woman drawn in as a mouse, mentions of murder, violence, suicide, and what the board deemed as values of the community. And that's what we want to come back to, is values of the community. Right. Uh, in addition, a board member said it one time that the author of Mouse had drawn cartoons for Playboy magazine. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, don't go there. Right. Um, Different subject. Yeah. Um, the author, Mr. Spiegelman, um, thought that it was or the decision was Orwellian and definitely myopic. And I, quote, unquote, I'm quoting here. Um, I can't believe the word damn would get a book jettisoned out of the school on its own. He got the impression he, that he says, why, aren't, why can't they teach a nicer holocaust? Holocaust. Oh boy, that's and um, the follow-up and the spokesperson for the board said we do not diminish the value of Mouse as an impactful and meaningful piece of literature, nor do we dispute the importance of teaching our children the historical and moral lessons and realities of the Holocaust. And the spokesperson added that the administrators would look at other works that are more age-appropriate, that are more age-appropriate fashion. And boy, did that roll my eyes. And this is, and here we go. And <laughs> and why did that roll my eyes? Have you ever met a 13 or 14-year-old, especially an American 13 or 14-year-old, who is so worldly and so wise and has so much access to the world? Have these folks never heard of the freaking internet? I'm saying that most 13 and 14-year-olds will not think... They won't bat an eye at somebody saying damn. Mm -hmm. They've heard a lot stronger language on the playground. Oh, my and God. the idea of removing something from the curriculum because it has the word damn in it is, you know, it seems like it's hiding something else. That That's not it's, their real reason. That's their agenda. Because even the people who are banning the word damn, and I know that they mention other things too, but specifically that type of language They've probably said much worse. Oh, my gosh. So it's, um, I find that a very weak argument. Yeah, and what happened was is the exact opposite of whatever the, the school board or school district wanted to happen is the, the backlash was immediate and it was heavy. Stephen King came out and said, who was, you know, if we had an avatar for our podcast, it would probably be Stephen King. <laughs> Stephen King came out and said something like, and I don't have the exact quote, is if, you, if, if you're a kid and somebody's banning a book, go out and get that book because they want, they're right. hiding something. Right. They don't want you to read something for a reason. Mm -hmm. And... The I can't and you you said what is the what is the hidden agenda here is right. it the hidden agenda here that you know that we are that we are capable of such inhumanity to murder six million people not only Jews but a full range of people that humanity mm -hmm. is so able to do so then what is the next one they're going to ban are they going to ban a book a comic book about how the American government imprisoned children and immigrants legal immigrants right in cages. Yep. So it so it's it, it and I'm not, I don't want to say the slippery slope thing here because it, that's obvious. It is definitely a slippery slope. But I do want to paraphrase what another kid said to another school board and maybe it was the school board what a kid said. He didn't want to talk about the slippery slope thing or anything like that, but what he did want to point out that any government entity and a school board is a government entity. Um, when they start banning books, they're not viewed as the good guys. Right. They're not the good guys at all. And it, historically we've seen that banning books doesn't work exactly that and this is a classic 
example of that. Let me um, let me take a step back here. Maybe try to calm down a little bit because I am wound up on this. Because I can to see me, the steam coming out of your ears. Oh, the steam is coming <laughs> out of my ears because um, as I was growing up, um, uh, I had a morbid interest in in uh, the the Jewish Holocaust, the Holocaust in general. Right. I had a, hor- uh, a a morbid interest in it, and I read it and. Uh, um, and part of that, the part of the Holocaust uh, is was the imagery of Nazis burning books. Yes. And, and this is to me, uh, you know, book banning is a is is you know is like half an inch from mm-hmm. from a book. You know, banning books is a half an inch from a book burning, in my right. opinion. And it happens in America by religious groups. They will hold, they will yes. hold public spectacles. I feel ban- like they burned Harry Potter. At one yeah, point. yeah, a banning books and stuff like that, and a burning a, a public spectacle of burning books. And uh, for those of you that are into movies, I recommend Pleasantville. It has a book burning scene yes. in it too, and it's just that imagery of you know it, the black and white environment that was similar to the Nazis, yet happening in an American environment, is believable. Mm-hmm. It, there's a connection there, and yeah, the steam is coming out of my ears. And I have. Another uh, example in the media from that was very, um, it was kind of a pivotal moment in my childhood. Was watching an episode of The Waltons where um, John Boy has become a newspaper man. He's got his own printing press, and it is during the lead up into World War II. I don't think the United States has quite gotten there yet at this point in the show, and the uh, they start the their community Waltons Mountain decides to start banning. You know, it's in it's a backlash, I think, to Mein Kampf, where they're they're going to burn Mein Kampf, but they start grabbing every German book, yeah. German language book they can find and throw it on the fire. And John Boy, I don't think he speaks German, but he recognizes one particular book. He pulls it out. One of the community members is a German woman. She has the German language, and uh, he asks her to read from it, and it's the Holy Bible. Yeah. And it's like, what are you burning? You you just wholesale grab a bunch of books that you don't understand because you don't speak the language and you throw them on a fire. So it's like, you're not understanding what you're doing. It's the mob mentality. You know, it's playing into that yeah, mob mentality. Yeah, don't understand what they're doing. And I no. think that's a lot of what's going on here with, yes. with mouse. Um, Let's take a step back so I can, you know, catch my breath, and let's talk about uh, the most common reason that school books are banned, or school books of fiction are banned. And I do have a website here, and this comes from uh, the First Amendment Museum, mm-hmm. and what they list as either the most challenged books or banned books, and there's a difference, of course, between challenge. Right. And I want to talk about challenge because I am an advocate of challenging a book. I'm not right. an advocate of banning a book. Right. I'm a cha- I'm an advocate of challenging a book because there should be public dialogue, not behind the scenes. No. You know, everything. If 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 there are questions about a book, a con- Yeah. If there are questions about a book or thing, the content or something like that, bring it out in the open. Shed the light. Let's have that public debate. Let every side present their reasonable argument. Oh, I just don't like it because it has the word damn in it. No, 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 no. Right. No, it's, let's have a public open dialogue. So I believe, I do believe in challenging. I do believe in challenging. And if, um, and if it is the community values are eventually invoked in, in banning a book, then maybe that's just not a community I want to be a part of. That is true. That can be difficult too because then you're stuck in a community that you you no longer feel a part of. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of marginalized groups that are in that position. So if you start banning books, it can also marginalize these communities even more. Yep. So 
Uh, yeah, and we got to be careful on that too because we're still all Americans. Uh, an, an American is my brother, sister, person, right? Uh, colleague, so on and so forth. And so you know, um, you, you, you know, I can pick on my brother, sister, uh, person, colleague, but if somebody else from outside America does it, they got to go through me, right? You know, okay. Um, well, and we're talking about thirteen and fourteen year olds, so this yeah. is a very formative time for them. They're yeah. learning who they are as a person, mm-hmm. and if you are banning material that might help them broaden their perspective and learn more about, you know, maybe they'll recognize something of themselves in what they're reading. Yeah. And if you're banning that, then you're stifling something in the child's yeah. development. Yes, yeah, but so let's let's uh, let's go through this very qu- this list very quick. This uh, top ten list. Top ten list of why uh, why uh, books are challenged or banned, and uh, sexual content is is the number one reason. And um, uh, and the sexual content thing is well, first of all, if we're talking about thirteen and fourteen year olds, and we're talking about the internet, yeah, that ship may have already sailed. Well, and that goes back to there in that that particular developmental stage where things are very hormonal. Yeah, and not allowing them to see healthy sexual mm-hmm. relationships there are um you know our kids grew up reading things like vc andrews mm-hmm. one of the books i believe was a light in the attic that may have been banned at some point and it deals with incest yep. and you know that is a common shameful thing that has happened throughout history and you know if kids are not if they aren't able to read that and understand the problems inherent in that situation you know the shame and everything you're doing them a disservice. Yeah. It's not, I mean, our kids, obviously, we consider them to be fairly healthy adults, even though they read those types of books when they were younger. And it it does help them develop, I think. Yeah, and it's also, uh, but, and we have to have to be careful too, because uh, here, because there is sexual content that is extreme. Yes. Extreme. Uh, and you use the right phrase, it, uh, a healthy. Right. A healthy, reasonable Right. Uh, you know, uh, interaction, relationship, display, so on and so forth. And we want to be careful about, and we need to make sure that they're age-appropriate exposure. Right. So, so, we're, so if they were going to say, well, we removed Mao's uh, from a first grade curriculum... Right. Maybe that would be that. Maybe that would go down better with me um, because there it, it it is a difficult book to read for someone who is six or seven years old, uh, thirteen or fourteen year old, right in their wheelhouse. <laughs> well, and you know, even if they, everyone develops at a different rate. Mm-hmm. So even if they're not quite there, I think having that in the school environment where they can discuss it with their teacher and their peers, and hopefully they're discussing it with their parents also. Right. That, um, you know, helping them shape a perspective, not pushing a perspective on them, but helping them to understand and shape their own perspective on it is very important. Yep. Uh, the other reasons are offensive language. We've already talked about offensive oh. language. Yeah. yeah. Um, unsuited for, to age group, which goes back to sexual content. That one. Well, uh, and that, violence, too, I yeah, think. Yeah. Basically, what we're thinking here is, uh, you know, case by case, have the public dialogue. Right. Uh, religious viewpoint, that one's problematic. Yes, because most communities have a variety of religions. Every religion is going to have a different viewpoint. And if your majority religion is pushing their particular viewpoint on all of the other lesser religions in the area, you know, population-wise, mm-hmm. then um, 
it's that's a, that's let, problematic. Let, let's, let's put it this way: uh, the the Constitution allows for religious freedom. Yes, it allows for establishment of religion and benefit of the government. So, if someone uh, does something within their religion, that's religious freedom. Yes. If someone tries to shape the community based on their religion, tried to push their agenda and shape the community based on their religion, that's not religious freedom. No. That's 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 not the point. That's not what the founders had in mind. No. What they wanted is that they wanted people to practice within their own. So, if you're going to tell me that I can't do something because it's your religion, then I'm going to have a problem. And um. And actually, we see a lot of that in the school system, because mm -hmm. even though we should be, you know, mm -hmm. on the governmental level, at least secular. Mm -hmm. And I know some of the verbiage has changed over time. So like winter break used to be Christmas break and not all religions celebrate Christmas or celebrate Christmas at the same time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talked about the winter holidays in a previous podcast where there are so many of them during the winter. The only one that's been really recognized by schools is like Christmas. Yeah. And so, you know, you're even though the founding fathers had one thing in mind, it's kind of crept in there that there is like a Christian leaning to that. And this kind of comes into this whole book banning idea too, because these, you know, these groups are the more powerful ones if you I mean, mm -hmm. you know, numbers and wise. You, and you just reminded me from Miles, there was also they were having open discussions about uh, the the book. The, the book also includes where religions at the time uh, did very little to support the Jews and the, yes. those at the time. So there's there's a sort of guilt factor there. And I just want to I just want to bring out bring out the elephant in the room. And we talked about the Bible. Right. The Bible is a book where God, in His fury, His infinite fury, wiped the planet clean through a flood. God, in His infinite fury, wiped clean Sodom and Gomorrah because through fire. God is, and at the same time, uh, Lot, who was, um, you know, who was saved, quote unquote, saved from Sodom and Gomorrah, when the the two angels came to warn him that the Sodom and Gomorrah were about to be wiped clean from the earth, a mob gathered at their at his front door, and he offered his two virgin daughters to the mob to go away. To to go away to leave God's visitors undisturbed. Right. So if we're going to buy talking about banning books, you know, th then we need to think about maybe that the Bible has to be part of this discussion because we're talking about, um, and you know, other there's other sensitive subjects, and I realize that this may be a hot button pushing for those that are Christians out there. Yes. But folks, you you know, everything's on the table. Right. Everything is on the table, and right. that's why I think books should be challenged and should be discussed, and I think the Bible. And most books of that nature should be should be discussed. Right. Let's go through the rest of this list. But let's just say, religious folks, especially Christians, you do not have the higher road here by any stretch of the imagination. And that's where the slippery slope comes in. Yep. Um, reason number five is uh, L. I want to get this right. Uh, LGBTQIA plus content. Yes. And so what? Uh, that goes back to development, um, being able Identity. to recognize someone who is like you. There is nothing shameful in it. It is, you know, people are who they are. And, um, you know, it's like that That one really pushes my button in many, many ways. I think we're really doing a huge disservice to our kids by not 
being more open and being more accepting of the topic. What that does is it maybe not lays the foundation, but it contributes to the foundation of exclusive, excluding, excluding students yes. in school. And that goes back to actually the Christmas argument, because can you imagine mm -hmm. a room full of kids who are happy about, about Christmas, but if you have someone from Islam or right. someone who is Jewish, uh, you know, they're not going to be included. Right. And so, and it is, and it is accepted by the, it is mm -hmm. accepted by the crowd. When the kids see that exclusion happening, they, they accept that that's the normal part of society. Right. And for this, for this population, again, exclusion, not inclusion, which is, you know, which is, why would you want to exclude these fantastic people? We, and right. we, we objectively, we, we should caveat this by saying we have somebody close in our family that falls within this group. This group. Probably more than one person. Probably more than one person. But and so, honestly, I think there are a lot of people who did not realize that they had, that that was part of who they are. Right. Because they didn't see it. And they, you know, if they brought up the subject, it was considered shameful and so they they pushed that down and some of that can actually lead into some of the violent situations we've seen because people were told that they had to be a certain way right. and they're acting out violently because it's not how they feel yep yep <clears throat> and i don't think i think a lot of people are forgetting that, that are part of the book banning argument they forget how you know how hormonal and how emotional 13 and 14 years old yes. that teenagers are oh, oh dear god um anyway let's, let's, <laughs> let's go on uh, and it's funny. The next reason, number six, is uh, is violence, and yes. uh, that that is just almost pure hypocrisy to me. Because right. we're going to ban this book to hypocrisy. Ooh, what's playing at the movies tonight, or what's oh on the gosh. what's on the smart TV, what's on Netflix? And it's like, what percentage of violent media is out there that's very easily accessible? A it, book is not going to make that much difference. And I'm paraphrasing a tweet that uh, you and I discussed this morning: is mm -hmm. that you know nobody ever died from a mass book reading. Yes. Uh, but uh, and so it, what where's why not why aren't you spending this passion on something that's really really going to affects the safety of our children uh, racism is the next reason um, and of course this goes straight to one of my favorite books if not my favorite book you know uh, to kill a mockingbird right uh, to kill a mockingbird which um, which is problematic I will admit yes. it, it is problematic uh, because it does feature Atticus Finch as the great white hope and yes. so that is problematic. I, I'm totally on board with that. Uh, and, and that may be because I was, you know, I was when I, I saw the movie before I saw the book. And, you know, it's just seeing Ediscus Finch, uh, Gary Cooper. Um, I, I, Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck. Thank you. Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck in his big white suit. Mm -hmm. Big, large man. Larger than life. Larger than the screen. Right. And then I, when I read the book, you know, that's all I could think about was, you know, Gregory Peck and right. people pointing out, well, this is the great white hope saving the, you know, the downtrodden black race. And when I thought about it that way, it's like, yeah, we're a big problem there. Mm -hmm. But the flip side of that, and this goes back to the critical race theory argument, which is, you know, we're not going to go down too no, far down here, but we do road. have to admit that. Uh, a an all white jury, and a spoiler here, an all white jury, when presented with objective and reasonable evidence to a reason, reasonable, uh, you know, reasonable doubt, ignored it, and the government convicted a black man for uh, just because of the time and the era, and that black man eventually was murdered by the system itself. And so, why would that book be banned? Well, there, there you go. You know, great. Yeah, it's a very um, it's intense. Mm -hmm. There is a lot. And 
that's where age appropriate comes in too, mm-hmm. because younger kids, you know, they're not going to get any of well, it. Well, when they're... I went to, when I went to beautiful Carson High School in beautiful Carson City, Nevada, that was an assigned reading. Was that was mm-hmm. uh, To Kill a Mockingbird? Now I'd, I'd be wondered. I'm wondering how many school districts just make that assigned reading. Which, by the way, I was so very happy to it because that's such such a fantastic book. And it is really well done. But you brought up an excellent point about the white saviorism, mm-hmm. and that is something that I didn't really. I mean, I may have realized it on some level when I was mm-hmm. younger, but recently it's become much more, you know, prominent in my thoughts because it's like you and I were raised in a very patriotic, you know, mm-hmm. America first, like, you know, yeah, the, la, 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 we can do no wrong kind of. And our society was presented as, you know, in the media and everything, it's mostly white. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I also have a problem with white because white can cover so many different nationalities and cultures. It's, you know, I mean, whitewashing. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's um, it's a problematic thing all around. And, you know, banning books like that for that reason, you need to understand why those books are problematic. Banning them doesn't help. Uh, yeah, um, I, that, that, that sums it up. Um, the number, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, folks. Uh, use of illegal substances. Well, no kidding. You know, that's... And, okay, maybe when the book was published it was illegal, but is it now? And also, you know, we kids go through elementary school. I I think D.A.R.E. is out of fashion, but I think I there's think so. but there's other education going on there. So kids know from almost when they start from school that there's illegal substances out there. And uh, maybe they're not told why that you know they're bad, and maybe they're not shown the, the experience of it. But they know that it's out there. It's grown up. It's ingrained in their society. Uh, on. And I think that goes back to um, you know appropriate handling of the subject matter. It's kind of like a he- healthy sexual relationship. If they portray it as a glamorized version of drug culture, for example, yeah. that's one thing. If it's something where you're seeing a teenager who overdoses on you know fentanyl or whatever you know they get something laced with something then it opens the kids eyes because they're just reading this for hopefully for pleasure and it's not something that's being pushed on them and they're like oh well this would be bad you know so and then you have to talk to them about it yeah um yeah, I, I think we nailed that one. Um, the ninth reason, which is uh, which I'm having troubles grasping, is anti-family content. What is anti-family content in this context? I'm guessing it's alternate families. So, like, you have two mothers, you have two fathers, you have, uh, you know, multiple family members living in the same house. It's like not the nuclear family. So it's uh, like you are... There was that episode of Murphy Brown. Yeah. Where she was, you know, single, pregnant, and um, mm. that was very... Dan Quayle, and, Dan, and Vice President Dan Quayle goes yes. off on her, and oh dear God, every time that came up, I felt my eyes would roll up into my head and just right. lock there, and, and it's like, you know what, folks, love is love, and we, and you know what, normal, quote unquote, right. families, oh my God. <laughs> well, and, you know, from your experience... I grew up in theoretically what you would consider a normal American nuclear family. Right. We had our issues because, you know, every family does. You had more of the... Transitory. Kind of extreme version <laughs> of, you know, how many step-parents and step-siblings and half-siblings I have, and... I have no idea. I have no idea how many step-siblings I have because of that. Yeah. Uh, for And I don't, I don't mind talking about it. Uh, 
Um, what CC is referring to here, of course, is my mother was married five times, twice to the same person, I should say, but still, uh, she was married five times, mm -hmm. and that my father was also married five times, and so I, the, uh, on my father's side, I have step-siblings that I've never met, and some I don't, don't even know. Right. Um, and so it's, and this was, of course, during my quote-unquote formative years, and so... Uh, so when they were, if they were to try to ban books on, you know, an anti-family format, I would just sort of, even at that time, I would have gone, really? Right. Because then, what is family to you? Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about the traditional 50s and 60s, you know, post-World War II nuclear family, the mom, dad, two and a half kids, whatever, living in their little suburban house, yeah. you know... And there are so many other variations of family. There are grandparents raising their grandkids. There are, you know, adopted children. So anti-family content. Yeah. What does that mean? Exactly. What does that What does that mean? What are they so afraid of? What right. are these people who are challenging and banning these books? What are they so afraid of? Are they so afraid of losing this connection to, as you said, the 1950s nuclear nuclear family thing? Whereas the, the reality is that, you know, some people have multiple family households. Some people have one parent trying to support five kids working one paycheck or two paychecks or something like that to try to just get through the day. Oh, my God. We went shopping this morning uh, and we must uh, we must have bought like 20 items, maybe. Mm -hmm. And it cost 50 bucks. And it's like, Wow. Yeah. And that's the cheap way of eating. That's for two adults. Two adults, and it's like, you, get, you know, like teenagers. just trying to survive it today. Right. And then throw this at them. Okay, push to another button. Let's move on. Right. Last one written here is the weakest of all of this is political viewpoint. And it's like, oh boy. Uh, Do we want to go down that road or should we let that one sit? Political. Yeah, my, my one comment about that is which political viewpoint yeah, are you talking one? about left leaning right leaning you know yeah. party affiliation what do you mean by political, political viewpoint yeah what do you mean by political viewpoint I, that one just yeah. and that's the whole problem with all of these um you know you're you're giving a broad idea of we're going to ban books for this reason yeah. and it's a very broad subjective it is subjective it based on someone's particular preference and it's you know, you are basically putting your preference on other people. And yeah. it, this, you know, uh, 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 it should go back to the family. It and it, again, be... it goes back to, you know, if you want to do it for yourself, if you want to do it for yourself, that's fine. But when you right. start telling me right. what to do, that's a problem. That's a line that we need to have. We need to have that open and frank discussion. So let's talk about, let's talk about the school books that are either banned or be challenged. Right. And I'm just going to go ahead and read the title. I'm going to go through and read the titles. I'm not going to, we're not going to comment until we get to the end, except I do want to make a comment on one of these or two of these because, okay. they, make, because they make me laugh. Okay. Um, so uh, the great, yeah, and these are fantastic American Classics. Literary classics, right? Oh, yeah. The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald Catcher and the Ride by J.D. Salinger. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Uh, the Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck. My God, he's a Nobel Prize winner. Um, to Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. Uh, the Color Purple by Alice Walker, which I read in college, which is a fantastic oh my gosh, that book. book. Oh, my gosh. It's so Talk good. Talk about problematic subject matter. That one covers all of it. Yeah, that one hits everything. <laughs> Ulysses by James Joyce. Oh, there's a good Irishman for you. Uh, Beloved by Toni Morrison, another book I read in college. Just another fantastic American novel, The Lord of uh, The Lord of Flies, which I uh, which Lord I haven't read yet. Mm -hmm. did, I haven't. Did you ever? Read I that? haven't read it. I I think I've avoided that one because it just didn't sound like something I would enjoy reading. I probably should read it. Yep. Uh, Nineteen eighty four. 
I read that in middle school. It was an assigned reading in middle school when I was around 13 or 14 years old. And, and uh, it was challenged in Florida because Orwell's novel is pro-communist and contains explicit sexual subject. And it's like, what? And, yeah, you know, I... Um, Lolita uh, by Vladimir Nabokov. Nabokov. Nabokov, thank you. And uh, that one, yeah, but... It, it is problematic, but that's another one. It should be probably age-appropriate. Yeah. And, and we'll, 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 we'll talk we'll, more we'll about talk, it. We'll talk more about that. Uh, of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. A great book. Yeah, what? Uh, scroll, scroll, scroll. Um, Catch-22 by Joseph Heller. Right. Uh, Anti-war book. Right. Well, uh, Brave New World by Otis Huxley. Animal Farm. That's in the. I was. That's this in the same English class at middle school. This mm-hmm. was a signed reading, and as you know, more pigs are equal. Some pigs are more equal than other. Is right. is a life lesson that I've learned that that I took from that, because it's you know we all talk about you know equality in the eyes of the government. Have you looked at our government and how it treats people who are not equal? Yeah, we've discussed that a little bit. Yeah, uh, The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway. Man, we're just hitting all the uh, American uh, Nobel Prize winners here, aren't we? And, yep. and wait till we get to further down here. As I Lay Dying by William Faulkner, A Farewell to Arms by Ernest Hemingway. The, their Eyes Were Watching God by Nora Neale Hurston. Never read that one. I don't know what that one's about. Uh, but apparently it was uh, challenged, on sexual, challenged on sexual explicitness. The Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. Really? Okay. That's uh, the Song of Solomon by Toni Morrison. Toni Morrison? Really? Uh, Gone with the Boon by Margaret Mitchell. Um, I can see why there would be discussions about that, but I, it's like, you know, it's like, um, it's like uh, movies and, and books from the era which uh, exemplify the great white hope and, you know, minimum, and it, it should be there. It should be discussed because it is an example of the times. Is it, is it putrid now? So, yes. Well, and that kind of goes back to what you were saying about, um, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. Gregory Peck. Yeah. Uh, the Great White Hope. To Kill a Mockingbird. Right. That uh, it's kind of the same thing where it is very cringy. Yeah, it's cringy. Uh, Native Son by Richard Wright. Uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest by oh uh, Ken Kinsey. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I, I saw the movie. Intense. Try the Tried to read the book. Oh yeah, Intense. Uh, Slaughterhouse Five by Kurt Vonnegut. Oh man, that one. Did you read, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's uh, oof. <laughs> yeah, uh, for whom the bells tolls by, but for whom the bell tolls by Ernest Hemingway. Call of the Wild by Jack London. That book has been in my life my entire my enti- has been in my entire life. I read that when I was young, and it sticks with me today. So obviously, I'm screwed up. Uh, <laughs> Go mean, tell it on the mountain by James Baldwin. James Baldwin. Why? Uh, okay, but all the King's Men by uh, uh, where am I here? Uh, Robert Penn Warren, Lord of the Rings, which I'm trying to read re- read right now by uh, J.R. Tolkien. You want to know something, folks? Um, go see the movies. The book is so boring. <laughs> but the thing is, if you try to ban that, I mean, you know, it may have been challenged. You try to ban books like that, people are going to read them anyway. Yeah. You're actually going to inspire people to read them. And the reason here that it was such uh, banned, it was uh, banned in El Agamora, New Mexico. It was burned. Excuse me. It was burned outside of church. A Christ Community Church, oh. because it was ba- yeah we we right. know we know about them. Um, it's because it was a uh, quote unquote satanic. Right, right. Uh, the Jungle by Upton Sinclair, Lady Chatterley's Lover by D. H. Lawrence. Gee, I wonder why that one ended. When, yeah, okay, never. A Clockwork Orange by Anthony Burgess. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Awakening by Kate Chopin and Cold Blood by Truman Capote. Oh well, you know, I mean, 
that is based on a true story. Yeah. I don't know how fictionalized it is because I've never read it, but that well, I could get the intensity issue with that yeah. one. Well, it was uh, back in 2000 in uh, Windsor Forest High School in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, the controversy was uh, because it was part of an advanced placed advanced placement English class where it belongs. So, right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Satanic Verses by Salman Rushdie. Boy, you're talking about a book that hits all of those reasons why a mm -hmm. book is banned. Um, Sophie's Choice by William Stryon. Sons and Lovers by D.H. Lawrence. Cat's Cradle again by Kurt Vonnegut. A separate piece. By John Knowles, Naked Lunch by William S. Burroughs, Bridehead Revisited by Evelyn Mon, Women in Love, D.H. Lawrence. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we know why that one was yeah. banned. The Naked and the Dead by Norman Baylor, Tropic of Cancer by Henry Miller, American Tragedy by Theodore Dreiser, who, of course, we remember Theodore Dreiser is... Oh, no, never mind, never mind. Thinking, I, I'm getting mixed oh, up okay. with Theodore Geisel. Right, okay. Okay, and finally, Rabbit, Rabbit Run by John Updike. I mean, listen to, you know, you know what's not on this list? is books by independent writers like us. True, and that's the other thing. It's it, They're the high-profile books that a lot of people are familiar with. My thought as you're reading these titles is, I wonder how many of these books were banned on the title alone? Yeah. Lady Chatterley's Lover, yeah. Woman in Love, you know, how many, Slaughterhouse how, Five. It's, did these people read the, read book. the books? Right. Read the books. Did these people uh, did these people take, you know, uh, cherry pick? Did they cherry pick the book without realizing the context of it? And let's, um, you know, we, um, you know, Lolita, for an example, did, did did they did they cherry pick the the fact uh, you know on the, the underage girl versus you know the the power the power thing that the you refer to the power dynamic of an mm -hmm. older man and a, and a younger younger woman right uh, that power dynamic that exists not only in sexual relations but in through throughout uh, society and not just American society but all societies that power dynamic. Mm -hmm. Uh, so was there cherry picking going on here when they went through these books? And as you said, these high profile books written by uh, Nobel Prize winners and, you know, acknowledged, acknowledged literary giants. Um, and that's the other thing. Are they being banned on the book's content or are they being banned because someone didn't like the author? Yeah. And so there's a lot of motivation here. So it's like, so again, I want to just point out, I have a real heartache with banning books. Mm -hmm. Challenging books, I agree with, but you know, let's have right. that public dialogue and let, but let's be careful that uh, when we do, when someone does challenge a book, they're not really challenging the book; they're displaying their character, they're mm -hmm. displaying their upbringing, and let's be honest, they're displaying their fear. Yes, they're, they're displaying their fear. A lot the, of fear. A lot of fear, including the fear of change. Because what they're saying is, is you know, I want my 13 or 14 year old not to be anything different than what it was when I knew them during the first 10 years of their life. Right. Uh, and it's like, you know what? Your kids get out there in the world and they become their own people. Yeah. You yeah. can't stop that no matter what you do. And we briefly discussed this. We won't go into it in too much depth, but this is the overt banning of books. There's also the library acquisition process right. and the curriculum choices and that's kind of a more subtle way of banning books right. because they're just not made available in the first place. Right. And so, and so, um, and so, when you and I were growing up, um, we were at the mercy of mm -hmm. that processes. We were at the mercy of our school districts because we did not have that ready access to the world that kids now ha kids now have. Right. And so, to me, banning books, and again, I, I consider this just a heartbeat from burning books. Mm -hmm. Banning books, to me, is an exercise in futility, slash, it is also it is also a way to make books 
so really popular really popular and it's mouse like, is sold out you know it's like <laughs> you know, you know it's... So, and i could just see that just not only in that community but in tennessee and just all around him that the, maybe the most popular book right now is mouse as it should be uh from this so you know it's like a um so it's like people if you don't want kids to read something assign the book to them right <laughs> they'll throw it behind the book yeah. The bookcase or the bed or whatever. Oh, I lost the book. You know, it's like I remember when, the, you know, it's like to, to Kill a Mockingbird was was assigned in, in my school. It's like everybody just moaned and groaned. Oh, dear God, do I have to read this? Folks, if you don't want teenagers to read a book, assign them the book. And a lot of that is these classics were assigned to us. They were written at a different time period where the language was much more effusive. Mm -hmm. There was a lot more of it. And that's where it goes back to the uh, graphic novel being a good entry for readers when it's difficult because text heavy is very intimidating for mm -hmm. kids. And I remember the same situation where it's like we were assigned books and I was going, you want me to read that? There are no pictures at all in this book. Not even like the little yeah. chapter headings. That's what I used to say when I was in college. We thought a good book was the book that had a lot of pictures in right? it. And, I, you know, I, I pointed out that 1984 and Animal Farm were assigned reading when I was mm -hmm. in middle school. Those are very thin books. Right? They're very short the books. The Old Man in the Sea is yeah. a very short one. Very so, short book. Like, more like a novella. And, and, and I think the second part here, and this is the part where, we, uh, where I think... Uh, it talks about a person's character is the fear part mm -hmm. you know it's like um if it, it shows when somebody is starting to advocate banning a book they're showing their character but they're also showing their fear because uh they don't want things to quote unquote change or affect their kids and and if you know what kids are going to develop especially in this day and age kids are going to be more worldly they're going to be more thoughtful they are going to see things at, by the age of 13 or 14 that we did not see in, in our until age group. Until just now. <laughs> until now. Yeah. And, and so how, do, how should parents approach this? And I'm going to go to uh, a quote here from Laurie Halls Anderson, who, who I stumbled across yesterday. And I'm asked, I asked her permission for this quote. Uh, it's an excellent quote, and I thought that it encapsulates the argument, you know, after 45 minutes of our podcast, <laughs> I think, in, these, in this short one. Um, censorship, because that's what book banning is. Right. Censorship. Censorship has nothing to do with protecting your children. It has to do with protecting adults who do not want to have difficult conversations with those children. Not just parents, not just teachers, but school boards, too. Mm -hmm. All of that entire range. Adults that do not want to have difficult conversations with children. And, you know, while I question whether 13 or 14 year olds are, you know, children, they're on the, you know, they're in that cusp. Maybe working on, pre I mean, they're preteen, yeah. you know, transitional, teen, young but, adult, new adult. I new don't know adult. what you want to But they're it. still, they're still more wordly and more, Very have much. far more access to the world than we do. But it's adults that who do not, you know, they're protecting adults who do not want to have difficult conversations with children. And that's, is what I think is key. They want to hide. They do not want to have the conversation behind the 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 Holocaust, where a group, a very small group of men, and if this sounds familiar and very timely, it should. It's where a very small group of men imposed an extreme political agenda on a defenseless group of people. Multiple defenseless groups. Multiple, yeah, multiple pe multiple groups, and actively sought eradication. And if that sounds uncomfortable, 
And it sounds timely because the American government was doing the exact same thing and continues to do the same thing. Um, and if you don't believe me, look at the number of African Americans in prison versus the number of white people in prison. It's very true. Well, just not just African Americans, minorities. Minorities, uh, yeah. You know, immigrants. Immigrants, the whole range. Recent immigrants. So there are difficult questions to be had to be that are needed, and that we are doing backflips and going through hoops and creating barriers and, and to to those difficult conversations. And as you mentioned before, this goes back to fear. The adults that won't, don't want to have these conversations fear losing their power mm -hmm. over the younger people, that we really want to mold them into what we want them to be. Yes. We want to continue our society the way we have always had our society. To, to be good soldiers that march to the tune of the, of, of the flag. Patriotism. Patriotism and, you know, and the so, hand so over forth. The heart. And what, what is lost here, of course, is to be a good patriot is not someone who, who, is someone who loves their country, but sees the warts and wants to fix them. And, and the, by not the, having these conversations, you're not giving these kids the tools they need right to fix these problems and by perpetuating the problems you're doing the future future generations a great disservice because yeah. we are evolving as a people we are learning i mean even at our age we <laughs> learn something new every day i yeah. learn a lot just talking to my kids who are all pretty much in their 30s now that uh, even uh, grandkids <laughs> you know a whole different generation we got going on and I remember as a child looking at my grandparents as, you know, they know everything. They, you know, you would respect their authority and respect mm -hmm. their beliefs and you would not argue with them. And, you know, so I did not argue with them. I did not argue with my parents because you did what you were told. Mm -hmm. I did read all kinds <laughs> my grandparents had a wall of books. I don't know if you remember. Mm -hmm. They had that office yeah. and they had a wall of books. And I was told not to read any of the books on that wall because they weren't appropriate for me. So the first time my grandparents left the house, I grabbed a book. Yeah. It happened to be like a true crime from the 1930s, and I'm still scarred by it. But, you know, it's like it had photographs of like bodies under the floor. And, you know, they told me not to look at these books for a reason. But it was like I automatically went against it. And this was pre-internet, so it, I had access to the books. But it's that type of situation where even though I respected my the authority figures in my life, I still went around them, and I still did what they told me not to do. And I think we've wrapped this up pretty good, but I do want to touch on one word that you use there, and that is the word respect. I don't mm -hmm. think there's a lot of respect happening here from the older generations to the teenagers of today, the teenagers of today who are going to be inheriting a mess. And with that lack of respect uh, for their intelligence, their emotional intelligence, their intellectual intelligence, um, not respecting that, you're not giving them the tools they need to fix the crap that we are leaving behind. Mm -hmm. And this is only perpetuating the problem. So, uh, yeah, so you can tell that this is this is this is a source a of hot button topic for us. So if we were to just wrap this all up, um, we we were to say again, if, if you if you're if you are a proponent of banning books, uh, we 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 have doubts about your character. We have doubts about your motivation, and so on and so forth. If you want to challenge books, let's do that. Let's have that dialogue. Let's have that discussion. Let's let's leave our egos at the door and say, hey, why is this book? Why okay? Let, let's say why is Lolita? Not appropriate for a thirteen-year-old. I would, I would like, I would have that conversation. Right. I think that's a valuable conversation that is necessary. And what thirteen-year-old are you talking about? Because kids develop at different rates. Yeah. 
what we have we give them a blanket you know this book falls into this age range right and this was something that was tr problematic for me as a very young child because they kept wanting to give me picture books right and i was i wanted to read books with words yeah. oh when and, i was you a, know when i was in seventh grade i read the godfather oh my gosh right i mean <laughs> it's like your reading level they're basing on a generic right the average right so and not everybody is average right so um so Let's have that conversation, but right. also more important than having a conversation across adults, let's have the conversation with, with. the kids, with the 13-year-olds or, or whatever age, you know, X, whatever age, 6, 10, 13, 15, 18. Let's have that difficult conversation and say, you know what, society around the world is flawed. It is challenged. It is making mistakes every single day. And we and are is, hoping that we can give you the tools to bring light to those those challenges, and then maybe you can fix our mistakes. But unless we have those conversations, and unless we give we do not unless we give them the tools, we're just going to perpetuate society's problems. And one of those tools is comprehensive, thoughtful books written by literary giants who've been there, seen it, and saying, "Hey, this needs a spotlight, and this is the spotlight that I'm shining on this problem." To, and this is what needs to be done. And there's also the idea of diversity, because mm. if you're banning books, you are, you know, your community's majority, yeah. whatever, yeah. You're, you're, you're perpetuating that majority, and you're not allowing your kids to see maybe other members empathy. of their community. Yeah. Right, learn you're, you're, empathy, you're, you're, learn you're, about you're, the world. You're throttling their empathy. Yes. And if you throttle empathy, you th what you're doing is you're throttling kindness and you're you're promoting an exclusive society. And we're not supposed to be an exclusive society. We're supposed to be one that welcomes all, you know, we're supposed to be accepting. And mm -hmm. okay, we need to wrap this up because if we don't, right. we're, we're, we're going to be here for another hour or two. <laughs> like I said, we could be talking about this all year. Yeah, we could talk about this all year. So, you know, why don't, uh, if we we're to summarize this, you know, um, banning we... books, banning books is a, is a way of stifling communication, stifling respect and stifling empathy. Uh, have those difficult conversations, as uh, this writer suggests. Have those difficult conversations. Uh, give the tool. Give the kids tools. Give the tool kids uh, critical thinking skills. That's the word I was looking for. Right. The critical thinking skills they need to help fix society. Because if you don't, then we're just perpetuating the problems we have now, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna continue to go in the direction that we excuse me that we do not want to go. And you know, not just respecting your kids, but enjoying the people that they're becoming instead mm -hmm. of trying to make them into clones of yourself yeah. and your beliefs. Enjoy learning what they think about the world. Enjoy, you know, seeing their viewpoint, seeing things from newer, younger eyes, because they're seeing, they're living among some really extreme changes right now. And this has happened in other generations too. It makes, there are big societal shifts happening. And the kids are in the center of, you know, they're going to become adults, like, as the pandemic is ending. And it's, you know, how do they feel about this world? What do they think of what has been written by, you know, usually these literary giants are previous generations. They're older people of, you know, they're, if they're alive, they're in the older generations. So, you know, give, respect your kids, listen to their viewpoints. You may not always agree with them and, you know, guide them, tell them your thoughts, 
but don't try to push your thoughts on them. Yeah, let them make up their own minds. Because right. here's here's a newsflash for you: they're going to do it anyway. Oh yeah, no, yeah. you. Once your kids grow up and are out of the house, you're going to learn things about them that you didn't really want to know. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, so here we go. We are uh, 55. We're pro- we are approaching the hour. And yep. see what a book about a mouse will do. And I have not yet read the book. I do plan to read the book. Yeah. Um, I feel like I need to broaden my horizons because there are a lot of things that I realize I did not learn that I need to know. Yeah. I may not agree with the book, but that doesn't mean it's bad. Yep. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, first of all, let's always say that we, we admitted from the beginning that we are not objective on this. We're very subjective. And we, when we went read through the readings, we, we gave what are our subjective, our subjective uh, viewpoints on that. So if you feel that we're full of hooey, we're full of crap, or we're, we're full of shit, we need to hear back from this. We need, to hear, uh, we need to hear the contrary views and so on and so forth. And if you do a podcast, reach out to us and we'll listen to it. We will listen to it. Oh, with definitely. Us, we, and we will be as open-minded as we can be as we read, as we listen to it, and we will be glad to respond to any challenges to this. Uh, and, that's, we, and that is called dialogue, and that is called open dialogue. And respectful we, dialogue. Re, respectful, open dialogue, which we are willing to participate into fully willing to participate in okay we need to wrap this up uh so here's the commercial part uh, uh as i said cc and i cc and i are independent writers we are self-published out on amazon uh if you want to read our books or if you want to listen to our podcasts or look at other things you go out to our website at carsonhume.com we do a weekly podcast that's aimed at writing and we may even do a baseball one every once in a while just for fun but we will talk to another subject next week we're thinking possibly uh related to this we're talking about the power of words we, yes. we may be doing that one or we may change our mind we're not sure we're, we're still up in the air on that one um but until then uh we please uh if you have any feedback if you have any questions if you have any uh, pushback let us know feedback Makes us not only better writers, not only does it make us better podcasters, but it makes us better people. And we're always striving to be the best people that we can be. So help us in that journey. So sitting across the table from me is Cece. And across from me is JT. And if we don't hear from you before then, you have a wonderful week. Please stay safe. Bye-bye. Take care.